Are you ready to take full control of your physical, emotional, and spiritual health? Are you ready to experience great success in your life? Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. will teach you the tools and strategies to help you take control of your health and inspire you to live your best life. Now here is your host, Dr. Diane A. Thompson, M.D. Welcome to Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. This is a show that's designed to inform and inspire you to a healthier lifestyle. I am your host, Dr. Diane A. Thompson, and as always, it is my pleasure spending time with you on this broadcast with the goal that perhaps a piece of information shared may help you take your health and life to a higher level. I will remind you that the information presented on this broadcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It's not meant for diagnosis or treatment, so please seek the advice of your healthcare provider before making any changes to your health. Well, I'd like to welcome you once again to the show, and I want to let you know that I'm grateful that you choose to join me each and every week, and that you trust me to bring you quality health information. If you've missed any of our episodes, we've made it easy for you. You can go to my website at drdianethompson.com. I also have a Facebook page where I have all of the archives, and that's facebook.com forward slash Thompson. Archives are also found on FMG Radio. That's fmgradio.com forward slash drdianemd, as well as Blog Talk Radio at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Thompson, And all of our episodes are found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, and you may also listen on TuneIn. So we've definitely made it easy for you to catch up. And also I want to remind you that I am live every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Atlanta's incredible radio, 1570 AM WIGO. And you can join me live for the best in inspirational health information. If you're not in Atlanta, you can listen live stream by going to WIGOAM.com and click Listen Live. You can also go to ABMLive.net and again click Listen Live. And if all else fails, go to TuneIn and download the app. That allows you to listen to radio stations all over the country. And you put in the search box 1570 AM WIGO the light, and you can listen to me live via your iPhones and any of those devices. I also have an upcoming ebook on stress, which will be available for a limited time for free on my website. So you can go to drdianthompson.com and sign up. And once it's completed, we'll get it out to you. All right. So the quote of the week is, it's not about being the best, it's about being better than you were the day before. And as we move into today's show, I'm very excited about the show. For the next two episodes, we're going to be focusing our attention on men's health. We've had many questions from you, our listeners, about the topic. And so for the next couple of weeks, we're going to try to answer some of those questions for you. In part one, we will cover erectile dysfunction. And part two, we will address some of your questions on testosterone deficiency. To help me do this is Dr. Mark Richmond. Dr. Richmond is a board-certified urologist and a men's sexual health expert. 
He is a member of the American Neurologic Association, and he has more than 10 years of experience. He's also the founder of Obsidian Men's Health, which is located in Virginia, and his website is obsidianmenshealth.com. Dr. Mark Richmond, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Dr. Diane. It's great to be here. And I wanted to confirm, I, I said it and I, I wanted to make sure at the top of the show and I did not, but your company is found, is that in Virginia? It is. It, we're in McLean, Virginia, and, and I'm one of the co-founders. I do have a partner, uh, Dr. Shane Guy, uh, who also uh, started this, this company that focuses on men's sexual health called Obsidian Men's Health. And while we're talking about that, why did you feel the need to create a facility to address men's health? Well, as, as a urologist, we're trained to, to deal with a lot of different conditions, including uh, issues related to the sexual health of, of a man. But early in my career, I, I realized that a lot of urologists were not giving these issues the the attention that they deserved and we kept hearing from men that they were disappointed by the medical and neurologic community when it came to dealing with issues related to men's sexual health and that's what really prompted us to to start a practice that really focuses on these issues for men. Wonderful and I definitely think that uh, for a lot of men, they do have these issues. And even looking at the emails that we get, the questions that we get, I feel that sometimes they don't have these conversations with the providers that they have. So it is wonderful that you do have uh, this kind of practice where you're focused on this area. What other things, though, would someone seek the, the help of a urologist for? Because I don't think everyone listening in knows exactly what a urologist does. A, a urologist is basically a, a specialist on the genital urinary system of men uh, as well as the urinary system of women. So we do see both men and women for urinary tract problems ranging from urinary tract infections, kidney stones, prostate issues, and even cancers such as prostate and kidney cancer. Uh, and then on the male side, we certainly deal with the, the genital system, so we address the issues related to, you know, penile function and testicular function as well. But for the females, we, we leave the genital function up to the gynecologists. And really a wide variety of, of medical conditions that, that we'll see as a urologist, both in men and women. I think that most doctors have a story that they're how they got from starting medical school to ending up into the specialty that they found themselves in. So I wonder what, what is it that got you into your specialty? I mean, share a little bit about your professional background and how did you find your way to urology? Well, yeah, that's a, that's always an interesting story, I think, for all of us uh, as physicians. But, you know, I, I received my medical degree from the State University of New York, and, and while I was there, I decided I wanted to go into a surgical subspecialty, and uh, I really just enjoyed working with the urologists uh, at, uh, at the uh, medical school, and, and it sort of uh, led me towards urology, and I was fortunate enough to, to do all of my surgical training and my urologic residency at, at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And there I was, I was fortunate to get to, get to work with and, and learn from Dr. Cully Carson, who is a 
world-renowned expert on men's sexual health and just a great physician and just wonderful with patients. And he was really a role model for me uh, coming through training. And, and I always had that interest in men's sexual health because of him. And when I first finished my, my training at Chapel Hill, I uh, started off doing both private practice and I also did some teaching uh, at Eastern Virginia Medical School. Uh, I liked kind of working with residents and doing uh, doing both the uh, practicing uh, aspect of medicine and also the teaching aspect. Uh, but then I sort of gravitated towards being in private practice and really dealing one-on-one -on -one with patients. And because of my experience with, with Dr. Carson, I really wanted to focus on, on the area of men's sexual health and urology. So we're thankful that Dr. Carson had such an impact on you. Um, let's uh, define erectile dysfunction. Uh, what exactly is that? Erectile dysfunction, which is commonly referred to as impotence, uh, is really defined as the inability to either achieve or maintain an adequate erection for intercourse. And basically, you know, a gentleman is not able to get a rigid erection uh, that he can use for sex. Or he, he might be able to achieve that erection initially, but then he loses that rigidity uh, and can't uh, have a satisfactory sexual experience. And, and it's really that simple, either can't achieve a good erection or achieves it and then has difficulty maintaining it. Regarding the topic of erectile dysfunction, can you please share with us how is that different from low libido or a low sex drive? Because many of the people have uh, written into us, they have asked questions, and it's clear that for some people they believe that they are the same thing. So share with us how they're different and how they're similar. That's a great question, and we see that uh, quite a bit uh, at Obsidian Men's Health. And the difference is that a low libido or low sex drive is, is more related to an interest in having sex, whereas erectile dysfunction is not about interest. It's actually more about being able to perform the sexual act by achieving and maintaining a good erection. So while they can sometimes go hand in hand, uh, they can often be separate issues. And if, if a man is, is experiencing a low libido, that really means that he's not as interested in sex or he's not as hungry for sex. And, and you know, the, the common term there that people will use is he's not as horny as he used to be. And that's really what libido comes down to. It's more of an interest in sex. Uh, you know, he's, the man is not as horny for, for sexual intercourse, but he has the ability to achieve and maintain a good erection when he does have that interest or when he decides to engage in the sexual experience. Whereas men with erectile dysfunction, they may have plenty of interest in having sex. They, they may want to have sex all the time, but they're either unable to achieve that good erection all of the time or perhaps some of the time it's an issue. So they may have good function uh, during you know some sexual uh, experiences, but uh, it may not be consistent for them. So that's really the, the difference. And some patients will present with one or the other, but very often uh, men will come in with both problems. Uh, and sometimes, you know, you have to address both of those issues separately. So I'm glad you cleared that up for us so nicely. Now let's talk about risk factors for erectile dysfunction. 
who who gets erectile dysfunction? There are really a, a, there's so many risk factors for ED, and I think it's so important that that you are, are highlighting that because very often it's just too easy to kind of throw a, a blue pill at the problem instead of thinking about risk factors. When I consider the risk factors for ED or erectile dysfunction, I, I sort of break it down into, into various categories. Uh, one category would be medical problems uh, that can be risk factors for ED. And uh, medical issues such as high blood pressure, high cholesterol, uh, cardiovascular disease or heart disease, low testosterone, and diabetes are, are some of the common risk factors in that medical category of ED risk factors. Uh, I also will look at surgical risk factors. So there are certain surgeries mainly that occur in the pelvis that can lead to uh, significant problems with erectile dysfunction. And the most common procedure is uh, a radical prostatectomy, which is, is surgery for prostate cancer. But other surgeries in the pelvis, uh, such as procedures performed for other malignancies, such as rectal cancer, can also be a big risk factor for ED. Then I will look at uh, medications uh, as a risk factor. Uh, certain medications, both uh, prescription drugs as well as drugs that, that people can uh, obtain on their own, uh, may be a contributing factor to ED. And last but not least, we want to look at lifestyle and, and, and behaviors uh, that can be risk factors for ED. And that would include uh, things such as tobacco abuse and smoking, uh, as well as consuming alcohol in excess or using uh, illicit drugs, um, not being active physically uh, or perhaps being, you know, overweight or, or not engaging in regular physical activity and exercise, those would be some lifestyle and behavioral risk factors for ED. So that's sort of how I like to break it down when I start looking for underlying risk factors and reasons that someone could be complaining of, of difficulties in the bedroom. And I, I am very happy that you mentioned that you don't just throw a new pill at the problem because I do know of people who will get a pill from a friend or they'll go on the Internet and simply because they feel that they're having some issues and they haven't had a medical professional evaluate them to see what is going on and what could have led to this. So it is important that people realize that there are risk factors and sometimes this may be pointing to a bigger problem. That's a terrific point, and, and I think that's something that, that your listeners definitely should pay attention to. Uh, and, and you're absolutely right. Erectile dysfunction can actually be the sign of more serious underlying medical conditions, including cardiovascular disease. So it's not something that should be self-treated or, or, or taken lightly. It's definitely something that uh, patients should seek the care of a medical professional find out what is causing the ED, make sure there aren't underlying medical problems that need to be addressed so that a patient can not only achieve a, a healthy sex life but can remain healthy in general. That's great, and this is a great time to take a short break. When we return from the break, we'll talk some more about prevention and treatment of erectile dysfunction, so stay tuned, and we'll be back right after these messages. Are you ready to take control of your physical, emotional, and spiritual health? Are you ready to experience great success in your life? 
Join us for Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on Atlanta's incredible radio, AM 1570 WIGO. Or listen live stream at WIGOAM.com. All right, welcome back. If you are just joining us, welcome to Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. My guest today is board-certified urologist and expert in men's sexual health, Dr. Mark Richmond. He is the co-founder of Obsidian Men's Health, and you can find out more about his practice and what he does on his website at obsidianmenshealth.com. All right, so we just finished talking about what ED is and uh, what are the risk factors. Let's talk about prevention a little bit. Are there ways to prevent erectile dysfunction? Absolutely, Dr. Diane, and and it it all comes back to in, in, in the risk factors, essentially, and uh, this is so important because we don't want to just throw a, a medication at the problem. We want to look at the patient. We want to look at their risk factors and underlying medical problems, and we want to find ways uh, to to identify way uh, or methods that patients can prevent the onset of erectile dysfunction. So, really. You know, certain risk factors are unavoidable, such as age. You know, the incidence of erectile dysfunction does go up with age, although it's not a normal part of aging per se. You know, there's nothing we can do about getting older, unfortunately. But certainly, if there are medical risk factors, uh, we want to try to avoid those problems if we can, you know, meaning things like obesity and, and high blood pressure and, and high cholesterol. There are ways to mitigate those uh, by maintaining a healthy lifestyle and eating right and trying to maintain an ideal body weight through through diet and exercise. And obviously some of these medical problems cannot be avoided. Uh, you can take really good care of yourself and you can still develop diabetes or high blood pressure. But in those cases, uh, having a good medical physician and making sure that you're you're taking care of those problems can do a a tremendous amount to prevent uh, the onset of erectile dysfunction. So if you're diabetic and you have good blood sugar control, uh, that's going to mitigate the chances of developing ED. Same thing with high blood pressure and, and high cholesterol. So we want to do our best to stay healthy in general and avoid heart disease and, and, and other medical issues. But when they develop, uh, as they inevitably will, make sure that uh, patients are getting uh, good care in those areas and that will help prevent the onset of ED. Of course, you know, making sure that uh, certain lifestyles and behaviors uh, are addressed uh, can have a a big role in preventing uh, ED from developing. So avoiding tobacco products and and, and drinking in in moderation, avoiding illicit drug use, exercising, eating healthy, maintaining an ideal body weight, all of these healthy lifestyle uh, changes uh, or healthy lifestyle practices can help avoid the problem of erectile dysfunction from developing in the first place. And once a person has been diagnosed, how do you approach treatment? Once they're diagnosed, you know, we we certainly want to look at the ED patient uh, and we want to do the appropriate investigation. So, you know, complete history, physical exam, laboratory uh, evaluation. So if they have underlying medical problems, we can, we can address that. We can optimize their health. And certain treatments such as lowering cholesterol or, or tobacco cessation can actually improve 
uh, erectile function. So an actual treatment for ED will actually involve uh, treating underlying medical problems and optimizing their overall health. But once you've done all that and you have the patient who's still struggling with his erectile function, we certainly will then start talking about various treatments. Uh, there's a multitude of medical treatments, including oral drugs, as well as drugs that can be placed directly uh, into the penis. There's a mechanical treatment option in the, in the form of a vacuum erection device. And we have surgical treatments, which are generally considered to be a last resort, but are actually very effective in dealing with severe ED. And I wanted to highlight specifically some of the medications because, again, I've seen it myself. You'll see the Viagra ads pop up when you, you know, you go on Google or any of those, uh, anything online, you'll see it, and people order things from these pharmacies. And, again, many times people are not sure. They're not aware of what they're getting into. So I wonder if you can talk about the common side effects that are associated with some of these medications that are used to treat ED. Absolutely. The oral ED drugs uh, are, are probably the first-line therapy uh, when we start getting into the medications. Uh, so, so even though we have other options in the medical world for treating ED, it's, it's going to usually be the oral agents that uh, are applied first by most physicians. And we, you know, everybody has heard of Viagra. Most people have heard of Viagra. It's, it's almost a household name at this point. But there are other drugs in that class. We have Levitra. We have Cialis. We have um, the newest drug, which is called Stendra. And they all work very similarly uh, by improving blood flow to the penis during sexual stimulation. So they all work by a similar mechanism of action. So they all have fairly similar side effect profiles. Uh, they can all cause some flushing of the face, heartburn, headache, and in some cases a low, low back discomfort. They're generally well tolerated. Most men who experience side effects will actually see the side effects diminish over time, uh, which is good news. Uh, but they're used to treat erectile dysfunction from any cause and for any severity. They don't work for everybody, but they work for about 70 to 80 percent of men who experience ED. And it's definitely something that patients want to obtain with a prescription from their physician uh, we generally, you know, don't want patients to get things from other countries or on the internet because you're you're definitely not necessarily uh, sure of what you're getting. And these drugs need to be prescribed carefully. There can be drug-drug interactions. There needs to be dose adjustments in certain cases. So uh, even though these drugs can be very safe when used appropriately, they definitely should be prescribed uh, and obtained from a practicing physician. I am talking with Dr. Mark Richman of Obsidian Men's Health, and um, I wonder if there are specific patients that you would say should not be on some of these drugs in terms of patients with certain diagnoses. Definitely there are some patients who, need to, who can't use these drugs uh, or need to be using these drugs very cautiously. And uh, For example, Patients who have had a cardiovascular event within the last six months should not be using these drugs. So anybody who's had a heart attack or stroke within the, the previous six months definitely should not be using the oral ED drugs and, and probably shouldn't be using any uh, ED drug uh, at that point in time. Now, after six months, 
if their cardiovascular disease has been stabilized and their medical physician or cardiologist feels that uh, they are they are stable enough to engage in sexual activity, these drugs can then be added in a relatively safe manner. But there are certain medications that patients will use for blood pressure management or for the treatment of cardiovascular disease that can have very serious consequences if used with the oral ED drugs. And the one that most people are aware of is nitrate products, which are used to treat cardiovascular disease. And if these drugs are taken together with an oral ED drug, it can have very serious consequences by dropping the blood pressure of the patient uh, very severely. So definitely need to be cautious. There, there are patients out there who should not be using these oral ED drugs. And fortunately, uh, if, these, uh, if their underlying medical problems are stabilized, these drugs can often be added. And if the patient is using certain drugs that obviate the use of oral ED drugs, we can very often use other drugs such as penile injection therapy uh, in these patients very safely. So there are other options for those folks. All right. And as we come to the end of the first part of our conversation with Dr. Mark Richmond, let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, if someone is experiencing symptoms of ED, where do they begin to go for help? I always encourage patients to start with their primary care physicians because, you know, th- th- those doctors need to know what's going on with their with their patients. And it's a great place to start, but I always encourage my patients uh, or, or friends, whoever, to make sure they educate themselves on the problem and, and make sure that they go in to see their doctor with some knowledge of the issues at hand. Not all primary care doctors and not all urologists are experts on erectile dysfunction. So when they get in to see their primary care doctor, you know, if they're not comfortable with the evaluation and treatment of erectile dysfunction, there's nothing wrong with asking for a referral to a urologist who specializes in that problem. Uh, But I certainly know a lot of primary care doctors who are very good at working up patients with ED and, and treating them appropriately. And they really reserve referral to a urologist for, for really complex cases. Uh, but then there's going to be, you know, some, some primary care physicians who are just, you know, more comfortable uh, getting the patient over to see a urologist uh, for those types of issues, and there's nothing wrong with that. But patients just need to be aware that not all, you know, even not all urologists are really interested or well-versed in treating men with ED. So it's always good to make sure that you go in uh, to see your doctor or specialist armed with information and make sure that they're interested in treating the problem and make sure that uh, they, they know what they're talking about. Uh, but generally, primary care physician first, nothing wrong with seeing a urologist, uh, you know, if insurance will allow them to go directly to a urologist. But I always encourage folks to go straight to their primary care doctor to begin with. And as Dr. Mark mentioned, no self-treating don't order these medicines over the Internet and start self-treating. That's not a good idea. All right, so that brings us to the end of part one of our conversation with Dr. Mark Richmond of Obsidian Men's Health. We will continue with part two of our conversation where we're focusing on men's health, and our next topic will be testosterone deficiency. So, Dr. Mark, thank you so much for being on the show this week. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure.
And again, can you share your website and contact information with our listeners? The practice name is Obsidian Men's Health, and we're located in McLean, Virginia. And our website is www.obsidianmenshealth.com. It's all one word, and all of our contact information is on the website, and that's definitely the best way to to reach us. And I'll make sure that website is also listed on my Facebook page for our listeners. To our listeners, please remember that your health is your wealth, so please do something healthy for yourself this week. Until next time, everyone. You have been listening to Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. on 1570 AM WIGO. Please tune in every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the best in inspirational health information. If you have missed any part of this broadcast, would like to find out more about Dr. Diane A. Thompson, or would like to receive her ebook on stress, please go to drdianethompson.com. That's drdianethompson.com. And like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash drdianethompson. Remember, your health is your wealth, so do something healthy for yourself. Have a great evening. <laughs>